0: ever been injured as a runner? Very likely, I would say. How do you see an injury when it happens? Could it have been prevented? Could you do more to make sure it doesn't happen again? In a world where we as runners find ourselves injured continually fighting that injury, are we running towards injury or are we running from injury? Hello and welcome to the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy. So injury is a massive topic in our sport of ultra running and in the running world in general. And when we talk about injury, there's lots of discussions, there's lots of Dr. Google going on and there's lots of anecdotal advice out there on the web. But for me, personal experience and what people find out is a really good way Of learning so that brings me to today's guest so on that note let's bring them in so I would just like to welcome Peter Francis to the show hello Peter welcome to the show
1: hi coach how you doing good to be here
0: yeah no I'm good I'm good how are you good good excellent so before we get into it Peter tell me a little bit about yourself your involvement in running um are you part of the club do you do you run regularly still what is your what is your involvement with running
1: uh yeah i i I still run um most weeks uh not not maybe as fast as i used to but um yeah running's been a big part of my life since uh since i'm 15 years of age really um yeah it, it really motivated me um in all areas of my life and um unfortunately i had a lot of injuries which meant i i I spent a lot of my 20s without running um but i'm i'm pleased to say i learned a bit along the way um got my running back on track
0: and and now i help people do the same excellent so you kind of like paying it forward as well yeah yeah excellent so in terms of how you do that you obviously you you're you and I know that you're an author of a book. So just give me a quick introduction to that book, just so people know where you're positioned and how you get that message out to people. So the book itself?
1: Yeah, so the book is Running From Injury and uh, it came about because when I was, I started running when I was 15. Um, By the time I was 18, 19, I was injured and I was injured for the next 10 or 12 years. And so during that time, I did a load of science study I did three degrees I did all my coaching qualifications I worked with teams I worked with athletes and one day in in my late 20s I started to think maybe maybe I could have another go at this uh because I I, I just started to kind of see the color picture and I started to be able to help other athletes and I thought well maybe I could have one more go and so I did and I put together a a very different kind of training program than what I would have done uh, first time around and and it worked and i ran for three years and i so then i started a blog and and decided right i've got to get this information out to other runners um and then that was really where the idea for the for the book came from and so the book is in two parts the first part is is 10 chapters on why we get injured and i try to basically explain in simple uh, clear terms why all running injuries uh, occur And my hope is that the reader understands that so well that they almost wouldn't even need to read the second section of the book because it's like if you intuitively can understand the problem in such simple terms then the answers become obvious it's just it's basically doing the reverse of 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 the problems you know so yeah that's the kind of the quick version of 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 how the book came to be Yeah. so
0: do do you run as part of a club yourself are you part of a running club at all
1: uh I, I I I ran for many years as part of a club um, here in Ireland called uh, Ferry Bank, but now it's just recreational. I just I just get out a couple of times a week myself now. Yeah,
0: excellent, excellent. And um, in terms of your your coaching, is that done in on online? Do you do, you do it one on one? Do you help? How how do you actually put those sessions across? Do you do any of that? Um, so. I help
1: certain individuals um, from time to time, or I go on um, training camps um, sometimes with international athletes. So some of the the, the Irish squads um, that that would be mainly what I do nowadays. I used to um, be the endurance coach um, at the university where I studied for for about three years, and before that at a, at a juvenile uh, kids uh, athletics club uh, for a few years. But I don't have a formal um, kind of running coaching role at the moment. Um, just just with being busy, basically.
0: <laughs> no, excellent. Good. It's always always good to know a bit of history about that as well. Um, so, running injuries. Now, I I like to I, I like to think of it as quite simple as well, and it'll be interesting to see what you say. But what I find as a coach is this is a can of worms. And it's a can of worms because people there's so many, there's so much information you don't know whether it's credible and people will have massive opinions about why they're injured and they've not even been diagnosed. So in terms of running injuries, Peter, what, what was it in your own kind of journey that you mentioned there that started to make you realize you wanted to look into the, the why more?
1: Um. I suppose in the end, it's unsatisfactory outcomes, isn't it? If, you, if you're injured for a long time, then everybody's uh, opinion and advice and uh, service and diagnosis and assessment hasn't really worked, has it? So, um, so I suppose that happens over time. But then, uh, as I said, I was lucky that my career path was also, you know, mo- going in that direction so the two things are happening at once you know i'm I'm not getting resolution to the to the issues but i'm also learning a lot about that field um and so when i you know you mentioned you mentioned about the minefield of information you know that the, the last chapter in the book is actually called uh, a little less information um because oh. i actually think, i actually think the information is is part of the problem um you know to me an injury very simply is is a training error um and people you know uh, sometimes see that as a little bit oversimplistic but it but it's true in that something has changed uh too quickly and you could be unlucky i mean it could be something in your daily life it could be something in your job uh you know, but often with runners, it's it's something in their training has changed uh, too quickly, and uh you know I think people nowadays want a much more complicated answer than that, but uh, that that that's the reality, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I actually really agree. I think um, I've I've looked through through some of your, some of your bits before the show, and and yeah, I I I'm reading it, and it's actually making a lot of sense to me, and I think. Obviously, you and I perhaps aren't going to sit here and talk about specific diagnosis. But when it comes to those those common injuries within runners, um, we'll go on to what you think the theory is in a second. But do you think those common injuries are all kind of curable by this same process? So, you know, the ones that come to mind, plantar fasciitis, the common runner's knee, you know, these things, they... They're, they're under the same kind of theory as what you're, you're putting across? Well,
1: well, what's interesting about those injuries is um, they all have things in common. So uh, you're right. You know, the, the, the top five injuries, they all occur from the knee down for a start. Um, they all uh, come on gradually. So they're not traumatic, you know, like when you break your leg or something. So they all come on slowly um they're all due to repetitive uh overuse um they all have a link with some sort of uh what i would call blunt kind of running form biomechanics um maybe plotting would be the kind of more uh, general uh term and interestingly none of them ever occur to muscles and that's that's that was something that when we were studying injuries in football players uh when i worked in leeds we we, i started to notice hang on these football guys they get loads of muscle injuries and then i was like but us runners over here we don't we don't really get any of those now when you think about uh what makes you move and what makes you control your landing well it should be muscles so we you know we should be using our muscles quite a lot really but that 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 got me thinking why why are runners kind of uh overloading these small little structures that are not designed for uh producing and absorbing um load so yeah those injuries those injuries have a lot in common and therefore you're right uh the the solutions will have a lot in common as well yeah
0: yeah okay so yeah no, that's, that is so so great to hear that and, and really good to hear and there, there is a there is a book over my shoulder there on my bookcase, um, which is the Lost Art of Running by Shane Benzi, um, which has a similar kind of um, approach to biomechanics. Definitely, um, that that that's really quite interesting. What you say there about the common the common factors. So, when you talk about running injuries, and you talk about those common injuries that we've kind of touched on there what would you say is the the kind of common the common causes and what's the common solution to that as well so um i i always
1: like to to with an injury look for the biggest uh factors that are going to make the the most amount of difference and then and then work into some of the other factors so you know the number one risk factory for risk factor for most injuries in most sports is going to be previous injury. So uh, unfortunately, there's not much you can do about that. So whatever injuries you've had in the past are going to uh, increase your likelihood of getting a, a new one. So, th- so so, it's good to know that, but it, it, it doesn't help us a huge amount. The, sec- the second thing is uh, change in loading. So uh, if you increase your miles uh, too quickly, that will cause a problem. But that's an easy one to see, but think about other things. If you change your surface too quickly, or if you change your footwear too quickly, or, you know, so anything where you change a variable too quickly is going to, is going to cause a problem. Now, the next thing then is like um, low movement variability. So running is a sport that's repetitive in nature. There is not, Uh, very much uh, variability in it anyway. Now we can make that better or we can make it worse. So if you run at the same speed, you know, the same distance, the same loop, the same, you know, there's very little movement variability there. So you're gonna probably increase your, your likelihood of an overuse injury. Whereas if you were able to, you know, interject some changes of pace into your running, interject uh, some hills into it, um, you know, maybe interject some training outside of running like yoga or, or uh, circuit training or, or whatever. Um, you're gonna increase the, the variability. So low movement variability um, would be another factor. And then you see we're going from previous injury, changing something too quickly, uh lack of movement variability um then we can start to get into things that might be interesting like you know uh biomechanics and 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 so on um yeah there is a certain style of running probably influenced as well by 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 the the height and the weight of the runner as well that does play a role but I would say most people want to start there. Whereas what I would say is unless you've looked at the bigger, the bigger factors that make the bigger difference, um, then, you know, don't, don't sweat about getting a detailed biomechanical analysis because let's say we get that biomechanical analysis. We fix all the, the things that we think are wrong in your stride or whatever it is. If you change your load too quickly, or if you do too much of the same thing, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you've got to you've got to you've got to start with the big factors first
0: and then and then get into the to the small ones. So so what would you say the top big factors are like if you had to really just list them? Uh so uh
1: changing your training too quickly yeah. is the is the main one.
0: Yeah. Um, and doing too much of the same thing, I would say yeah. is the is the second one and what would, when you see the everyday runner out there and you know with the with the pandemic recently um i think running's probably been taken up by a lot of non-runners um it's become more more used as a as a common kind of way of getting some exercise with all the gyms being closed and whatever else do, do you think runners are aware of this well
1: i think that's a good uh point because if you're new to it, then all those factors I mentioned, uh, go up a notch because, you know, if you're a runner who changes something too quickly, that's one thing, but if you've never run and you come in, that's a huge change, um, in loading to your body. So the concepts are the same, whether you're an elite athlete or a couch to 5k athlete, but, um, maybe some people are going to be predisposed even more so to picking up an injury. Like you mentioned, people who've never run before, um, their body needs a, a transition uh, period in- into the sport of running. So yeah, I think people who, who've taken it up in the pandemic, um, they're gonna be at risk for a lot of things. One, they haven't done much running before. You know, Two, maybe they haven't run on the roads, much before or, you know, so the the, you know, or, or, or even just more broadly, they spend a lot of time sitting at home, you know, working from home, uh, quite a sedentary lifestyle, and then, and then trying to take up running out of nowhere, you know, so, yeah, all all those
0: factors will, will play a role, yeah. Yeah, no, really, really interesting this. Um in terms of my coaching and on this podcast i don't often go into it in too much depth but i would say you and i are on a similar page or very much the same page it seems to be that overcomplicating it is just the way the world's gone it's the way the web's gone it's it sometimes is the way the uh i don't mean to offend anyone who's listening but the cheap the cheap quick qualification i don't like it and you know it can create a lot of bad information or misinformation and over information. Um, and it's that, you know, the last chapter in your book, you know, little less information or, or, you know, along those lines, it's, yeah, we're probably on the same page. I think we, we are very much listening to what you're saying there and I completely, I completely back it actually, you know, a little, you know, you say it might be a little bit too simplistic, but actually it's obvious. If you, as you said, if you think about it it's obvious right yeah 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 Yeah, no it's really cool so um with that in mind i i get a lot of runners come to me a lot of plantar fasciitis a lot of runner's knee um peri periformis syndrome but never been diagnosed by a qualified professional but because dr google said that must be it you know we get lots of that as coaches people come to us and say those kinds of things and you mentioned their kind of circuit training yoga sort of that cross training style of thing What, what what is your what is your perspective and stance around strength and conditioning for runners um
1: well strength and conditioning um Sometimes its name can can uh, give, give people all sorts of uh, ideas of, of what it is or, or what it isn't. Um, so what, again, like that, I like to strip all those concepts back and just say, well, if you do, uh, if you run up a hill, you you have to bend your hip, knee and ankle in a way that you don't when you're running on the flat. So if you bend your hip, knee, and ankle, you've got to use muscles all the way uh, up and down the the chain. So therefore running up a hill is strength and conditioning. Um, If you um, sprint, if you run as fast as you possibly can, like you did when you were a kid, um, that's strength and conditioning. If you do Pilates, uh, that's strength and conditioning. If you do circuit training, that's strength and conditioning. Or if you do the nice, uh, you know, more modern, sophisticated, uh, Olympic lifting in the gym or box jumps or whatever you want to say, you know, that's strength and condition. But the point here is we're using our body through a range of motion, which requires us to use all of our muscles and requires us to use them variably. That's all that's actually happening. So, um, again, that whole field, you know, which, uh, you know, as somebody who teaches on those courses that produces those graduates, that whole field uh, can be overcomplicated in itself as well. Um, and so, you know, as, as a sometimes I do an exercise where, where I show people a, a change in, in stride mechanics when you run barefoot, a change in stride mechanics when you sprint, a change in stride mechanics when you run up a hill, a change in stride mechanics when you do a squat with a barbell, and I just asked them to, to say, well, what do all those things have in common? And what they all have in common is the flexing of the of the lower extremity, the ankle, the knee, and, and the hip, and the use of muscles. Uh, another thing they all have in common is that they're going to add variability uh, to training, and so if I start to introduce variability, even if I get the strength and conditioning wrong, you know I'm doing the wrong strength. You know I've introduced variability, so even if I just introduce variability and that's the end of it, I've I've already helped with my issues because we you know like we've discussed already, you know it, even if I introduce the wrong strength and conditioning and it means uh, I don't change my running load too quickly brilliant because now I'm not now I'm not just solely running all the time so um I think what again with strength and conditioning I think it's very very important because we live in a modern sedentary world where we we kind of nearly need strength and conditioning to replace uh you know climbing over walls and climbing trees and jumping fences and you know all the stuff that's not we don't do anymore so Um, you know, to almost like combat the, the smartphone and the tablet, uh, usage. We, we need, uh, strength and conditioning. So, so I think it's useful just for the average human. Uh, so therefore it's going to be useful for a runner, um, as well. Um, but again, I would just say to people, uh, don't sweat the details, just get up and use your body fully and differently. Um,
0: and then you, you'll you'll be fine. Love that. Absolutely love that. Don't even know where to start with that because that was, well, if I could take a caption of something and put it out there to the world, it would be those four minutes that we've just discussed because I actually couldn't agree more with that. I think if we just touch on the point that you made at the beginning of that about the graduates that you're you're teaching and part of, um that overcomplication, you know it's a while since i was at uni now but um i was at nottingham trent university and that was that had a new strength and conditioning additional course that you could do as part of your your module and one of my house mates he did it and he talked about all this fancy stuff that they were doing but the truth was it was just what you've just said it was variability that that's all it really was when you break it down that's what it was it was just doing some training with those joints with those muscles in a way that is perhaps different to running on a flat yeah. in in a in a basic sense so that was really interesting to point out there but also the um the barefoot question as a uh, you know my previous episode was talking to a guy called kevin who's who is completely transitioned now to being a barefoot runner. Um, By the sounds of what you've just said, using barefoot shoes would be a good tool for runners to use because of the variability in it.
1: Yeah, it, it will, I suppose by default. Yeah, it will, it will introduce variability. The foot is a very variable structure, you know, 26 bones, 33 joints. Um, so it's designed to move in a, in a variety of ways. Um, the you know people who spend more time barefoot have uh, bigger and stronger uh, feet muscles so uh, when you think about the fact that your feet are the springs beneath the 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 whole operation then um having them well conditioned and strong uh would would make a lot of sense um so yeah i mean barefoot running uh was the resolution to my own Plantar fasciitis issues, which is where I first developed an interest in it, and then we did a lot more scientific studies on it because of uh, my initial um, surprise with 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 what I what I experienced myself, and then what I started to see in other runners uh, clinically as well. So, so what what um, did you
0: what did you find with that? What did you find with the the better um, running for the plantar fasciitis specifically?
1: Well. Um, after my own experience, we started to do it uh, some case series with other runners who also had a positive response to barefoot running on basically barefoot running on a nice kind of soft grass surface. and um, when most runners, when they ran every second day, uh, barefoot on on a soft grass surface uh, had an improvement in their symptoms um, with barefoot running. and um, we're going to publish a study soon, hopefully, um, where where 19 out of 20 runners, um, you know, demonstrated this improvement. Now we don't we don't know all the reasons why um, yet, but uh, one of the theories is that as your feet uh, foot muscles. Uh, weakened from being in shoes and so on that the loading to the plantar fascia because the arch is the arch is kind of bending um, and it's kind of repetitively loading the plantar fascia and overloading plantar fascia um, that that's causing so many issues so in some ways it would make sense if you restore the foot muscles and the stiffness in the arch um, you you lower the the burden on the on the plantar fascia um but yeah there's there's lots of different explanations for for why but um
0: that's one of the main ones yeah no really interesting really interesting so i i have suffered with that in the past um do you, do you believe in the theory that it's something that, that can be resolved then some people think it never goes away
1: Uh, My own experience is that uh, it went away and never came back once I, um, you know, figured it out. But, uh, you know, it's important to acknowledge the nuance in this in terms of if you, for example, were to listen to this episode and kind of pick it up incorrectly, you might go out tomorrow ditch your shoes, uh, start running. And you could actually get plantar fasciitis that way too, because what would happen is your feet muscles are not conditioned. So then you go and run barefoot, uh, and that's going to put a big loading through your foot. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a bit of nuance with, um, I think with adults transitioning is important. If you do want to do some barefoot, um, I always found as a runner that on the grass or on a medium firm sand that uh, it was easier to maintain a rhythm and a cadence and a kind of a normal running form um, knowing that there was a little bit of give in the ground underneath. but it also meant that it was a bit easier on the body so it, 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 it allowed some uh, time to adapt. And I think if you do that slowly as an adult, that's important. Um, When it comes to kids, the key with kids is just to have them barefoot from the beginning. Um, And and if they can't be barefoot, have them minimalist from the beginning, because the way their Achilles tendon and everything will develop and and their foot shape and size uh, and their arch stiffness and so on will be so much better. So, you know, with adults, you know we've we've got to take our time and transition and and we can see we can't see huge improvements and resolution and some people it's incredible what happens um but it's more difficult for us um and the, and the amount of change we can create is probably limited whereas with the kids there's a huge opportunity for, for prevention you know
0: yeah yeah so so what I do currently is I, it'll be interesting to see what you think to this. i I don't I don't have a desire to be a barefoot runner for ultra running or marathons, but I definitely acknowledge some of the stuff you're saying there in terms of 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 the strengthening of the foot and actually the basics that people forget that you mentioned there about how many bones and joints there are actually in that in the foot. Um, and with all that in mind, I've been trying to put some barefoot work in. So I've worn minimalistic shoes, um, some vibrams, and just worn them for a small section of the warm up of my running club sessions, which is on a on a, a recreation ground, really soft grass, nice area. Um, and I just do that for the warm up and then I change back into my my normal running trainers for the actual interval work that we do. Um is that is that would you would you sort of promote that? Would you say it's a good idea? Two, three That's times a week problem.
1: or That's exactly how I recommend people get into it. So when when they say to me. You know, practically, how could I how could I start to use some of this stuff? Well, in the warm up or the cool down is a great uh, example of a time when you can do it. Um, And it's not going to cost you any extra time. Um, It also means in a warm up or a cool down it's at an easier pace and it sort of just gives your, your body a chance. Um, and then as the feet and everything else gets stronger, uh, if you want to, you can then, um, play with, with, with increasing it. I mean, that's how I did it in my own, uh, running career. I mean, at one point I was running, um, 20 miles, uh, at sub three hour marathon pace um barefoot on uh, round hay park in leeds so um that what you can build up to is you know sky's the limit um but it, but it, but it, yeah i mean what, what i also like about what you're doing there is even if you just do that you've introduced variability into the week um yeah. as well you know um and you've introduced conditioning for the feet the ankles as well so even just that uh is is going to be great you know um as an additional thing and and then by the time you do some of your non-running strength and conditioning and by the time you maybe do some hills and do some whatever all of a sudden now you've got a varied program with with lots of different types of running in it um and you're not just uh you know using the one movement strategy. I mean I even when I was competing at a decent level, you know I never uh, I never did workouts or or ran hard on the road without a shoe you know um because there's no there's no compliance in the concrete so um I always felt to run at any sort of decent pace you needed um some compliance. Um, I don't think there's, a, by the way, I don't think there's a special type of shoe, but just some compliance um, to to overcome the, the concrete or because your brain and your body is so good at regulating all this stuff naturally. If you do want to run on the concrete, you know, if you did, for example, want to run barefoot on the concrete, you've just got to slow right down. And that's how you, that's how you moderate the impact is by slowing down. But if you want to, if you want to run faster on the concrete, then you're going to need some surface compliance and that's probably where the shoe comes in is to just give a little bit of that compliance and i think one of the reasons that um i think i think as an endurance runner you do do a lot of slow running and i think one of the reasons why the grass and so on is magic then is because you can use your normal running pace because the grass is providing the compliance for you underfoot so Whereas you see, when I, you know, when I was a competitor, okay, I wanted all the barefoot running benefits, but I didn't want to slow down because if I, if I had to slow down so much, I'd no longer be at the fitness that I needed to be to, to race. So yeah. that's where barefoot running was brilliant because all my easy runs could be done barefoot on grass. So for me, I was able to train at my normal easy run pace except now i was i was barefoot on grass but anytime i wanted to run the roads or i wanted to do uh, a threshold or a a tempo run or you know uh wanted to do like say saturday morning park run or or whatever then then i would use a a shoe to give
0: me the compliance on the harder surface so when i listen to all of this this is all like music to my ears and my beliefs and you know like I said earlier we're very much on the same page I think in terms of our beliefs and our, our the more holistic side to it you know the, the bigger picture but I think do you find it hard to convince people this stuff um
1: you know what I, I don't really try and convince people um because uh it's up to it, it's up to them right so uh if, if i'm asked for my opinion i tell them this is what i would do or this is what i think or if they read my book they'll see exactly why i suggest why i you know what, what i'm saying um so yeah I, I i mean i know i know what you're getting at um what i prefer to do say if i'm doing a talk and i'm engaging with the audience like what I want to do is try and help people get to their own conclusion about it. So a bit like yeah. earlier when you said like it's obvious, that's when that's when they're really empowered, when they understand the concept for themselves. And, uh, and then you're not really convincing them because they actually own the knowledge for themselves because they've reasoned it um, themselves, you know, so um, yeah. That's that's what I try and do.
0: Yeah, no, I think there's a really good lesson for me to learn there as a coach. I mean, I've been doing it a few years now. I've been doing it sort of a decade. Um, but also probably for a lot of coaches out there, we, we can be guilty. And I don't know if you've done this in the past, but we can be guilty of wanting to put that opinion onto people because we think we're right. But actually, the way you've just explained it is actually you give people the information if you're asked about it. Now your background is credible and you've, you've got, you've done years and years of research into it. You still look at, you know, you're still involved now. And actually, if someone asks you your your opinion, you're going to give that to them. And then with that, they come to that conclusion. And actually that's a really good message to any coach who's listening to this, but also any, any runner as well. You need to go and you need to go and find the information and read what's out there from an educated source and if they read your book like you said at the beginning i think you said they would only read the first half of the book because they would they would see that it's that obvious or in my words that obvious so then they've come to the conclusion right
1: yeah that's that's sort of what you know um and look there's another reason for it i mean like the first reason is you know in life in general If you, if you put your opinion onto someone, if, if, okay, great. If they're ready for it, then that will work. But if they're not, then they'll, they'll reject it. Right. So, um, that's the first reason, but there's another reason. The the reason, the other reason is, is when, when the athlete or whoever is not with you, they have to be, I mean, I, I think a, a noble goal is for them is for them to be able to think for themselves. So, so when you're not there, and, and I'll give you so many simple examples of that. Um, if at a talk I mention yoga or something, right? Um, there will always be somebody who says something like, um, "There's no yoga in my area. The 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 girl only does Pilates or whatever." Uh, Is that okay? Right now. If if they could understand that the aim of the game is variability, you know, breaking up uh, sustained postures, using your muscles fully, da, 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 right, they would know that the Pilates is just fine. Yeah. Right. But if I'm just telling them this is what you need to do, now when I'm not there, the whole system breaks down. But if you can actually think for yourself about all of those concepts, um, you know, then you can go. Okay, so take take a hill. Oh, there's no there's no hills where I am, but there's this one really uh, long set of uh, steps in the in the park. Now, again, if you understand the concepts there, you're going to run up and down the steps because you know that it yep. doesn't matter about the hill it's about shortening your stride and getting you know so so that's the other reason it's important is that they can actually problem solve their own issues if they understand the concepts whereas if we just tell them our opinions um they they, they, they can't solve, solve anything for themselves that's the second reason why it's a good reason to lead people to their own
0: uh, through their own reasoning you know uh, with it now excellent that's awesome that is awesome so i'm gonna ask you a little bit about your running just to, to to kind of finish us off so um what 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 does running mean to you now and what did running mean to you as a, as a as an athlete what 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 does it mean to you what does it give to you so
1: when i found it as a teenager 15. Uh, 16 years of age you know you're going through those teenage years where you're trying to form an identity uh, I was probably a bit lost and next minute I got this you know miracle drug whereby I'm running uh, physically I'm feeling good mentally I'm feeling good um, I'm in an athletics club where I've got other guys the same age as me who are doing the same thing um, and I can remember at that point, my motivation in school and in, you know in everything went through the roof. So uh, at that point, my relationship to running was wow, this is this is you know changing my whole life. Um, so then it fueled the discipline, which then uh, led to me, you know. The same skills, I guess, meant that I studied well at university and I, you know, uh, applied those skills to my life. And then, like, um, I suppose I had a lot of disappointment with running when I, f- and I fell very much out of love with running because every time I tried to do it, I was, I was injured. And then the relationship changed again when I, learned how to do it without been injured and the competitive part of me and the drive to improve um so i had that relationship with it whereby i firstly i loved consistency i loved that i could just run consistently and i and i really started to love and enjoy the process and that meant then as i kind of focused more on the process rather than the outcome i went from 36 minutes for 10K to 35 to 34 to 33. And then the competitive monster took over, whereby I knew I could do the process. I knew I could be consistent all the time. And so I started to focus, can I run 32 uh, minutes of 10K? And of course, that's when at the end of three years, I was exhausted and that's when i kind of ended up retiring from the competitive arena in 2018 so then there's a whole new journey starting by if i retire from this competitive athlete runner you know what's my identity and who am i and where am i going and 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 all of that sort of chaos so that's what the last 3 years have been about so so the last 3 years uh you know i now run because i still like to run i live in the countryside i'm on a natural eight mile circuit um with 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 beautiful countryside all around me so um i go out a couple of times a week to stay fit and um you know it sort of uh it fuels my health physical and mental health i suppose um but i hike and i swim and i do other things you know so um, whereas when I was in that competitive mindset, it was all about uh, trying to optimize things to, to, to run as fast as I could. So it has been interesting, you know, you talk you talk about the relationship with running, you know, it's served, it's served different purposes at different times um, along the way, you know.
0: Yeah, no, cool, cool. Um, so two more questions and be as blunt as you like what what do you think about the ultra running world what do you think about ultra marathon training what do you think about ultra running what do you think about these documentaries that are out there about these wacky events that we can now go and do as a as a recreational runner you know what do you think of the ultra running world it's really interesting that you've asked that question
1: um now because i've read a book literally two weeks three weeks ago um that's changed my perspective on it um so i'll give you my first perspective which is the one i've had most of my life um didn't get it at all um and um i I just didn't understand it. um and I, i would get frustrated even when people would say uh you know when they would know me as a runner and they'd say oh you know uh which marathons have you done and i'd say oh, i've never done a marathon and they'd be like no you know he's, he's definitely and i would be like no because the drive for me was always to be the best i could and 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 i w- I, I i looked at say 10k and it was about could i get faster uh at, at a distance like that and so i never saw the point in you know um i would have known people who sort of came into let's just say endurance sports and would jump straight to iron man or you know whatever and, and in my mind i would be like you can't even do your local 10k uh yet and you're you're going straight to this and so i just didn't understand it you know i, I was just like what and, th- and then i was wondering is it part of the societal thing where you know nowadays it's got to be bigger and better and you know all of that um, so yeah, for, for, for most of the time I was just like, they must just be crazy people. I just don't get it, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, as I said, it was mainly cause I couldn't understand it. Now I've recently, um, got an insight to it from, um, I don't know if you ever heard of, uh, David Goggins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I read his book. That was the book I read about two weeks ago um can't hurt me and yeah he um he uh, unlocked it in a way that i get it uh i get it totally from um and it from from what he was saying in terms of it was an internal thing about uh the suffering of the mind and basically he was doing it because Of what he would learn about himself as he did it and you know as he would go through all these emotions and he'd watch them all come and go over the course of this never-ending race and he'd sort of it sort of developed this mental resilience in him and it sort of taught him about what he was afraid of and and then i was like ah okay like it's a mental test that that's what it is and and i understood it then because i can relate in terms of when i when i did my phd that's the same thing it's like it's like uh it's it's an endurance test and because a phd is not like a a degree where you know you start here you finish four years later and that's that it's like you finish when you're finished so like you know some people take 12 years to do it some people take you know four years to do it or whatever it is so i remember that when i was studying like that it was it wasn't about intelligence it was just about mental resilience and endurance and and, and all of that so since i read his book uh he, he he talks about all that ultra stuff as as a way of training the mind to be able to suffer true life uh yeah. that's uh it's now become a lot more interesting to me i think the mistake i was making was i was comparing it to competitive sport uh when it's not really about that it's 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 something uh it's something bigger than that it's something it's something more than that i know people do i know people do race in it but i don't feel like that's
0: the i don't
1: feel like that's the you know what i'm saying
0: yeah it's a very it's a very small part of it there there obviously is always going to be a first yeah. male and a first female across that yeah. line um, and yeah. and and the top the top maybe 10 in each field you know like western states in america the the 100 mile foot race it it recognizes that the top 10 both qualif- females and males both qualify for next year so there is a racing element and those guys have got sponsorship deals now and and whatever else with all the big brands but the reality is, is that everything you've just said and the whole David Goggins principles that he talks about is that in reality, we're in there because we're testing ourselves against yeah. ourselves. It's not, it's, it is against yeah. a distance and it is against, there is going to be a clock involved because there's normally a cut off time. But actually, like you said, the, the way I say it is very similar. Literally in a 70 miles is my furthest ultra so far. In that seventy-mile race, I went through every emotional state you could be in, including hypothermia, um, which yeah. was a physical state. But you know that emotional yeah. state with that. So I was that. That's why I was out there because it, it did. It was that resilience and that that drive to keep on going. And then my, my one of my one of my guys who helps out with with my mentorship, he says, "Do you know what, Marshy? If you if you can do an ultra marathon." then trust me, you can do this work. You just need to apply yourself in the same way. Mm. And I think that's what you've said, mm. is that you are mm. you can relate to that process and mm. that discipline. Mm. Um, and I think that's really key. And, you know, I think there's a, it's quite a nice, there's no ego in the ultramarathon world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very little ego. Um, yeah. yeah. Winning's not important. So, so on that note, quick yes or no answer from you. Then, do, do you think you'll ever do an ultra marathon?
1: Um, I haven't read the book. It's more likely now than than not. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then just if for last, long... if we if we did this interview four weeks, I would have said four weeks ago I would have said n- never. Which, never. Which that that's that's what I like about. uh I suppose. uh keeping an open mind in life is like you just never know how you're going to change because you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And you haven't read all the books and spoken to all the people. And so sometimes it's so easy to judge people to, for taking on a particular thing that, but it really is just that you just don't understand it yet. You know, yeah. and then, you know, so, And it comes to different people at different ages, you know, and so sometimes even one thing I like to look at nowadays is, you know, when someone first gets into running or triathlon and whatever, and they're doing all the races and they're, they're so excited about it, you know, Um, you know, it's great, you know, because they're they're kind of talking to me as if to say, um, why aren't you doing this? And it's like, i have it's just that my journey with that stuff was sort of 18 to to 30 you've you've discovered it at 34 so you're just starting where i was at 18 you know what i mean and so yeah your excitement is is fantastic to watch but like i'm doing this other path now that you might have done when you were 18 you know what i mean so it's like it's it's you come at different things at different stages in your life and and everyone bumps into stuff maybe at different ages or, or different times you know
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I think that's a a good way to look at it. And hopefully people can can take a bit of inspiration from that as well. So one last question then. Um, What would you say your top three tips are for avoiding injuries in running?
1: Okay, the first one is be honest with yourself in terms of where you are right now. And that doesn't matter how small that is. So you know, I've worked with some of the most hopeless of cases if, you know, in terms of when they when they come to you and say, these are all my injuries, I'm so injury prone, you know, people who are really going to give up. And what I would say to to, to to that person, or what I would say to the person who's a decent athlete is, what can you do right now? Be honest about what you can do right now. So even if you're really badly injured right now, I would say, can you run 50 meters without pain? And if the answer is yes, that's your start point. If, if, if you were to say to me, listen, I'm, I'm fine at 40 miles a week, you know, four days a week. But as soon as I go, you know, here, there, or everywhere, I get a problem. And I'll say, right. Okay. In your case, 40 miles a week. So we've one guy on 50 meters a day. And we've one guy on 40 miles a week, you know what I mean? And maybe we've another guy on 100 miles a week or whatever. So the reason that's important is what can you do comfortably right now is because that's your baseline. So whatever that is, you stay there and you map out a program based on that honest conversation about what your comfortable baseline is right now. You map out a program for six to eight weeks based on that and you you have the discipline to stick with that then you won't have a problem now you can then make these incremental gains slowly over time um and you rarely get injured um so that's the first thing the second thing is um movement variability um even if you just park your car 20 minutes from work and walk 20 minutes down and 20 minutes back, walking introduces movement variability. And I just think as a society, particularly if you're not in a um, a job that requires manual labor, uh, you need to find different ways of moving, um, particularly with running been so low on movement variability as a sport. Um, so introduce variability. And the third one I would say, I mean, there's lots of ones, but the third one I would say is make sure you've got enough headspace. So um, if you really value running and you want it to be a part of your life or whatever, um, you've got to have the time to do it. So if you're running from one stressed out situation to another stress, you know, and then squeezing in your running for an hour and a half, that's going to play a role in your injuries. so you've got to you've got to look at what are you going to take out of your life to just make a bit of room um because that's the that's the the big breakthrough for me wasn't what i learned about with training it was what i learned about with behavioral psychology you know doing too much is because you can't delay gratification you know um and that that applies to your training and to your daily life you know you're taking on too much you know so um also reason it's important is you need headspace to be creative so in order to identify where the local yoga class is and get booked into it and anything new like that requires a, a, a bit of brain space so uh it's important for that reason as well so yeah one be be honest don't change anything too quickly uh two uh be creative in terms of introducing variability and three um give you give yourself enough headspace to be able to do
0: all that awesome awesome so thanks very much for coming on the show really enjoyed it i've 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 learned so much actually myself there um and lots of things to think about for me as well i'll certainly be uh i'll be reading the book for sure um i'm looking forward to that actually it'll definitely be jumping up my book list as well in terms of what's next on my reading list so for anyone who's listened um how would they how would they find out more about um, what you do?
1: So so everything is on uh
0: peterfrancis.blog. Yep. And the book is on um Amazon. Awesome. So they can they can look there. What I'll do is on the um on the YouTube, anyone who's watching on YouTube, I'll stick those links in the description below as well. And uh make sure it's in the description on the audio as well. So you guys can can find it if you want to have a look in more depth I certainly will be and I'll be looking forward to continuing following that blog and that journey so um and that future research as well all the research that you mentioned there that's uh that's potentially exciting um so I'll have a read of anything I can find from that as well so guys I hope you enjoyed yourselves and hopefully we can meet here again another time to discuss more on the ultra running podcast with me Coach Marshy.